You are listening to the VBAC Link Podcast, and this is episode number 67. We have our friend Molly from Alabama today sharing her story about how her baby turned from OP after her due date and accomplished this awesome VBAC in a notoriously VBAC unfriendly state. If you are from Alabama, you may be able to relate to her. And I'm sure, Molly, I'm volunteering you right now, that she'd (laughs) probably be willing to share some information about where she went and who she was with. But of course, we have the review of the week with Julie before we get too much into her story. Yes, yes. Everyone in the Deep South, I'm sure you can relate 100% to Molly's story. This review is from Mathletic on Apple Podcasts, and she says, I had my first baby due to breech presentation, and we went to attempt an external version. An ultrasound was performed to check positioning, but then it was noted that the umbilical cord was wrapped around my daughter's neck twice. The doctor said he would be okay to attempt it if I was, if I was, but uh, know that we run the risk of placental eruption from a tight cord, and that would just mean that we may need an emergency C-section. My husband and I decided to stop the external version, and then we scheduled my C-section for 39 weeks. This devastated me. I was so upset, and it was hard on me, as no one around me understood why I was so upset. This included my mom, my mother-in-law, and friends who all had C-sections. They kept reminding me that all that matters is a healthy baby. I felt the ability to give birth was taken from me. I was so upset that I couldn't hold my baby on my own and needed to help take care of her. Needed help to take care of her. My doctor told me that I would be a prime candidate for a VBAC, which is something I hadn't heard about. So I began researching immediately. I joined the ICANN group of Chicago and found a friend who successfully had a VBAC. I am now 38 and a half weeks pregnant with my second and baby is head down and low and ready to go. I have listened to episode every day on the way to work um, during my break and on the way home. I cry every time I hear the mom say they did it. I use this podcast to learn all about my options and to empower myself that I can also do this. So I am waiting and listening and hoping hoping that I also have a successful VBAC. Thank you for this podcast and for all the moms sharing their stories. I cannot wait to post on Instagram once I have my second baby any day now. I wonder if she's actually been one of our poster people. What am I saying? I... Mathletic, if you are listening to this now, send us a message on Instagram because we want to know who you are because we really hope that you had your VBAC and if not, that you felt like you were in control and had an empowering birth experience. Yeah, definitely. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link podcast with Julie Francom and Megan Heaton, VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. All right, Molly, we cannot wait to hear your story. Thank you so much for being willing to share with all of these women all over the world because we know it's going to inspire so many. Well, let's turn the time over to you. Thank you. I'm so excited, too. I, I still can't believe I did it. My daughter is, she'll be seven weeks old on Friday. Oh, and I feel such a fresh Fresh baby. out, yes. Yeah. So it all kind of started, of course, with my first pregnancy. Um, my son, um, his name is Robbie, 
and he is two now. And um, we found out we were pregnant after about five months of trying, which at the time, of course, felt like forever. But I know we were very, very lucky and very blessed to get pregnant that quickly. And he was due, he was supposed to be due on March 8th. Um, but his birthday is early February, and that's part of the exciting story. Nice. <laughs> um, at about 35 weeks, actually two days before my birthday, we had an appointment, and we she went to check me, and she's like, oh, you're at about like a one and a half. And I was like, whoa, that's great. And then she her face got really serious, and she said, that does not feel like a head. Mm. And being a first-time mom, and, you know, I had done too, too much research, and I, you know, I just read the what to expect when you're expecting, which really only prepares you for the diseases and like the worst case scenario stuff. Just my heart stopped. And she said, well, we'll send you to ultrasound. We'll see what what what's going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, it turned out that he was footling breach. Oh, and, no. Yeah. And he was so far engaged that they didn't think he was going to turn. Uh, my doctor was uncomfortable trying to do even the inversion she said, I just don't think he's going to turn. And actually come to find out later, she has a really good percentage on the inversion. So I kind of feel like she was probably being very honest with me and she didn't think that it would work. And so we opted not to do the inversion. And the poor ultrasound tech, she could tell that I was really upset and she was just trying to give me any good news. And she was searching mm. around and she couldn't even confirm that he was a boy because of the way he was positioned. Aww. But she got up to his head where his little head was right under my right ribs like a hard little lump and she said oh I think I see some hair um, and she printed mm. out that picture for us just trying to give us any sort of good news about it yeah. I was I was heartbroken and the doctor told us you know there's a website you can try you can go on spinning babies and see you know maybe some of that stuff will help you and again being a first-time mom I just sort of came to the website looking for anything that would help and I spent most of that weekend laying upside down on an ironing board, which is not comfortable <laughs> oh, when you're so that hard. pregnant. Yeah. yeah. yeah I think the I head rush. the ironing board. The head yeah. rush, too, is just awful. Yes, and I bent the ironing board, I think, trying to oh. get it up and off. <laughs> <laughs> it was not fun. And uh, my brother, that the weekend after that, my brother had come down to visit us, and we'd had an appointment that Monday. And he was still breached, and so I started to come and make my peace with having had a C-section. And a C-section was scheduled for 38 weeks, so about two weeks after that. And uh, I was trying to make my peace with it and work through it, and we had our hospital stuff ready to go. And we thought, okay, we've got two weeks. We'll, we'll get the car seat in the car and do some last-minute errands. My brother was there sort of helping us do that. And that Thursday, I was 36 weeks and six days pregnant. And we were out running some errands. We'd gone to Ollie's, which I don't know if you guys are familiar with Ollie's, but it's kind of like a bargain store. Mm. And uh, we were buying a new rug for our living room, and we were standing in the checkout line, and my my water broke. Oh. (laughs) And I sort of stood there for a minute, and then I looked to my right to my brother and my husband, Michael, and I told them, I said, guys, I think my water just broke. And they looked at me. And neither one of them blinked. Neither one of them said anything. They just <laughs> stared at me. And I said, or I just peed myself. Or... <laughs> and then they, neither one of them, they didn't blink. And I, my brother looked so panicked. I think he was going to ask for sheets and boiling water next. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I said, no, nope, no, nope, my water broke. That was definitely my water. And again, neither one of them moved. They didn't say anything. 
<laughs> just panic, blind panic. Oh, my heavens. And uh, I said, okay, go get the rug because we needed this rug, <laughs> of course. And I said, Michael, go find somebody and tell them we need paper towels and we'll, I'll call the doctor and, you know, we'll get this handled. And they brought out one of those big industrial rolls of brown paper towels to clean up. And my brother went and got the rug. <laughs> and they just gave us the whole roll of paper towels to go into the car. Oh, man. And we were even, we were in a rental car that had cloth seats. Not leather seats, cloth seats. Because my husband's car had had a recall on it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the timing. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Um, so I sat on a bunch of paper towels and we ran home to get the hospital bag. Oh, my gosh. Because, of course, the doctor said, well, yeah, since these breach, you need to come in and we'll get the C-section going. So he wasn't going to be an emergency C-section. I call him my unplanned C-section. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. the planned C-section was still two weeks away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we dropped my brother off at the at the car dealership because our other car was there getting an oil change and tire rotated for, you know, two weeks. We we're going to have a baby. <laughs> right. And my husband is breaking the speed limit. He's going nine miles an hour down the interstate. And I'm trying to call everybody to let them know what's happened. And no one picked up the phone. My mom, my dad, my best friend, my <laughs> Michael's parents, nobody picked up the phone. Finally, we're about halfway to the hospital going 90 miles an hour in the fast lane with our flashers on. And there's a car in the fast lane that will not get over and is not even going 70. Oh, and my gosh. As my husband goes, what are you doing? Get the F out of the way. <laughs> my mom called and the car picked up the phone. <laughs> and she heard him. Oh. <laughs> But she had no idea oh. you your water was broken and you were no, on the, she had the no hospital. Idea. So she just heard that and said, yeah. call back little, greeting. Little bit of road rage, hun. Yeah. <laughs> it was so, oh my gosh. And so she was like, okay, I'm getting in the car. I'm on my way. I said, okay, mom, we'll see you when you get here. Now, she lives about four and a half hours away. So I knew she was probably going to miss it, but she was coming. And so we got to the hospital and they took us, uh, took us right back and, got me all checked in and everything and we got in the c-section everybody's very calm even though he was technically going to be a preemie and they, they were very respectful and it was a good c-section experience as, you know, from what i've heard obviously you hear all the, the horror stories but it was a good c-section experience mm -hmm. and he was born later that afternoon the c-section he did have a little bit of low blood sugar but that was all that was that was wrong with him being a preemie and it was almost a good thing because it meant that he got to come back to me right away and I got to hold oh, him very quickly. So and so we started breastfeeding and the bonding happened very easy, even though we missed our, you know, our golden hour and the initial skin to skin. And we ended up breastfeeding for about 18 months, even though we had to use a nipple shield because he was so little, his latch was just not good. Mm -hmm. But I knew even when we found out he was breached, I knew that we, we wanted a second child and I knew then that we were going to try for a VBAC. And so a couple months after my son was born, I started researching and, and looking and just seeing what, what was out there and what I need to do along those lines. And then we got pregnant with my daughter and we found out in late July of um, last year. We, it was funny, we actually had taken a trip with my mom to the Chattanooga Aquarium and we had a, a picture taken where they, you know, take your picture in front of a green screen and then put different backgrounds on it. And I was telling my husband, Michael, I said, wouldn't it be funny if I'm pregnant in this picture and we didn't know it yet? And he said, yeah, but that's not going to happen. This is only our first month trying. It's just it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> two weeks later, Little I peed on the did he know. The, <laughs> exactly. The second line came up. And so she was due April 9th of, of this current year. I talked to 
a doula pretty early on in the process. Um, my friend had had a baby recently, and she would had a doula that she absolutely loved. And so we talked to her early on, and she recommended starting spinning babies, and I talked to her about my concerns mm-hmm. about my sec- my daughter being breached and yeah. just someone there to sort of advocate for me because, like you said, Alabama is notoriously bad for VBACs. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of rules and regulations and even, I think, lay not lay midwives, but non-hospital midwives. The law was just passed earlier this year that they can start practicing again. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it's a, it's a big deal and it's very exciting. Yeah. Um, but they still can't attend VBACs, et cetera out of the hospital and I mean there's a whole big that's another soapbox for another day <laughs> so I started spinning babies early I think it was I was like 20 weeks pregnant and they recommended you start at 26 or something I can't remember we started early with the spinning babies and that was fantastic doing the the daily essentials in the video and mm-hmm. I was so much more active this pregnancy too but my first pregnancy I'd worked and so we had less time to be active and I was a stay-at-home mom now and I had a little bit more time at least I could throw my son in a stroller, and that was my me time. Was going for a three mile walk almost yeah. every day, <laughs> which is you know it's not more time, but it's a little you time that you get because your um, kids are restrained. We do that sometimes. Exactly. Like I'll haul the kids up in the car, and we have like a little back road by my house with like farms, and they're building lots of houses and stuff. And I just say, let's go hunting animals and excavators because they're building like the, all the construction <laughs> equipment. So we'll get all the kids in the car, and then they're constrained in their car seats, and then it's just like quiet, and everyone's saying, "Oh, excavator, yeah. cow, sheep, horses." Anyways, so I count that as me time because the kids are not crawling on you. They're distracted. <laughs> hey, yeah. Not being touched. <laughs> Anyways, sorry. Back no, to your story. That's, a, that's exactly it because he would get in the stroller and we would pass the house with the, the Auburn tiger on the door. And he'd go, tiger. Yeah. yeah. Tiger. Tiger says <laughs> roar. And then we'd go a couple of houses down and that always decorates for whatever holiday. And Oh, and it's Santa. Yeah, that's Santa. <laughs> Um, and it's, you're right, it's you time. And that's when I would listen to my podcast. I would listen to you guys. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. I mean, it's just super helpful. And I shout you out so much. It was oh, help, so you. helpful to hear all the successful stories. And like you, the reviewer said, tear up at the end when they got their I did it moment. And yeah. Very encouraging. It was great. Um, I also listened to another podcast called The Birth Hour. Oh, yeah. yeah like we them. love her. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I would scroll through and read the descriptions to find the ones that were similar to what I wanted or what mm. I was looking for, so that just to get it in my head that that could happen. I also started sort of abstaining from any sort of labor or birth on TV because that's it's not <laughs> real life. It's written to scare or entertain or, you know, it's not real life. So I stopped watching any of that, even yeah. though Crazy I love anatomy. watching Friends <laughs> and The Office and there's so many births on there. You just I just skip those episodes. Mm-hmm. And I also started doing a, um, started researching to get a birth plan together and talked to my doctor about that. And she was great. She'd actually come a long way in the two years we had her previously. She'd gotten a little bit more natural and she was very open and very positive about my chances to do this VBAC as long as um, my daughter was head down and we had no other complications. And she even, she signed my birth plan and scanned it into my chart so it would be there in case we didn't get her. I told her, I said, if I can't have you, I'd like to have a midwife. Mm-hmm. She said, that's great. You know, if I'm busy, that's fine. I'll put it in your chart. But then she checked, and the hospital where she delivered, that was against policy. Mm. So that wasn't going to be able to happen. And I was kind of worried about that, but I figured we'll cross that bridge when we get there, and we'll see what happens. I started, I ate the 
the six dates a day at 36 weeks, <laughs> which dates are they're not great. No, they're not. I'm going to give a little tip for anybody who is, because I didn't like them either, but I eat them with peanut butter on them. Like, I didn't even think makes it. It yeah. more bearable. So I put peanut, peanut butter, butter, like, and I'm totally a creamy, I know you're the yeah. crunchy, I love No, creamy, it's a, it's complicated yeah, yeah. answer. So it's creamy, <laughs> you put, I liked creamy peanut butter, but you put peanut butter on them and it's protein, so it's extra healthy yeah. and it totally made them so much well, better. Creamy peanut butter is acceptable if it's on toast or celery or things like dates. I'm pretty sure that, yeah. that would be acceptable use for creamy peanut butter. Yeah. So Everything else has to be crunchy. <laughs> Anyone out there trying to <sighs> eat dates and not liking them, try them with peanut butter. All right, sorry for interrupting. That would would counteract the sugar in them, too, because they've got so much sugar in them. I had to eat something really Mm, soon after, so my blood sugar Mm. wouldn't burn. Yeah, that's true. That's so smart. That's why you guys are the best. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Because we know Um, how to make dates taste good. (laughs) Well, that's that's the only way I could eat them. (laughs) You're so sweet. Uh, Sorry. It totally makes sense. We just keep jumping um, in. Because my son was early, I convinced myself that we were going to be early with this one. But 38 weeks came and went, mm. and I wasn't dilated when they checked me. I was just starting to get discouraged, which is ridiculous because you're not even full term till 40 oh, weeks. Oh, I hear you. I'm ya. just so sure that we were going to be early. Yeah. You're not so, the only one out there. <laughs> nope. Like me. My longest pregnancy was, was my last one. It was 39 weeks and five days. But before that, my baby before that was born just barely at 37 weeks so like my last pregnancy was almost three weeks longer than my the one before that and I I was 39 and a half weeks but I might as well have been like 45 weeks <laughs> I mean that's how like emotionally like I totally get well, you when, when you're <laughs> feeling like you're like the whole time you're like I'm gonna go early and then you, yeah it's hard it's, it's hard. a huge letdown yeah. <laughs> yeah. and then you get this crazy thing you just well I'm just gonna be pregnant forever I'm gonna be this scientific oddity mm, yep. forever pregnant woman <laughs> You weren't, though. (laughs) No, well, no, thank goodness. But we were anxious to get it, to get started, because we knew that if we did go too long, they would want to do the repeat Mm C-section. So we started doing the evening primrose oil, orally and vaginally, which is super fun. We started, I started eating tons of pineapple so much that my tongue got really raw in the roof of my mouth. But we're getting this baby out. And then at my 39-week appointment, my doctor said, you know, you're still not really dilated. How comfortable are you going until we, you know, we book the C-section? And I said, well, 41 weeks. She said, okay, 41 weeks would have been a Monday. She said, we'll schedule the C-section for that Wednesday, which worked out well for us because my husband was already off work and it just worked out for her schedule surgery-wise too. And I said, okay, we'll, we'll schedule it for then. Hopefully we don't see you then. And well, that's said, really okay. cool like that she asked you. I instead of just too. told you, you know, I think that's really cool. And I, you know, I don't know what she would have said if I had said, oh, 42 weeks. If, yeah, know, maybe that well, yeah. The comfort zone, but we found a good comfort zone that was we thought would work for us. Fortunately, you know, spoiler alert, we didn't make it to that. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> spoiler. So then at my 40-week appointment, I still wasn't very dilated, but I was dilated enough for my doctor to get what she said was a pretty good membrane sweep in. And I just told her, I said, look, if you can sweep, sweep. Let's, let's see if we can get mm-hmm. this started and and get it kicked off. She said, I got a pretty good strip in, but I don't, you know, I don't know if it will help very much and we'll see. And she said, I hope I don't see you next Wednesday, but if I do, I'll see you next Wednesday. I said, okay, but I'm not going to see you next Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) I should mention too that my daughter was, she was head down at this point, very much head down. And 
I credit that to the walks and the spinning babies and lots and lots of positive thoughts and just thinking she's head down, she's head down, she's head down. Mm -hmm. And the reason my doctor thought that she wasn't, I wasn't dilated was that she thought that my daughter was OP. So that she thought we were back to back instead of her tummy to my back. Yeah. And um, I I just kept telling her, I said, not my doctor, but my baby, you got to turn your head down and that's great, but you got to turn. I need you to turn. Yeah. So after this trip at my 40-week appointment, the day after that, I started to feel kind of crampy, but it would go away if I would lay down or drink a lot of water or, you know, change my activity. And I thought, okay, this is just practice Braxton Hicks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's nothing to worry about. So I ran errands. I took my son to the library to get new books to read to him. We went on our, our three-mile walk. And on the three-mile walk, the cramps, they were a little bit more regular than they had been. And I felt some fresher. And I think that that's when my daughter turned. Mm. I think that's when she turned. Nice. It, was, it was uncomfortable and it, there was some pressure. And I just, I think in my heart and in my head that that's when she turned. And then that evening, my son and I, we'd watched a movie and we had a little dance party in the living room to the song that was playing during the credits. And I think that helped too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was still, still having what I thought were Braxton Hicks or just little crampy feelings. My husband got home from work, and we got my son to bed. And I said, you know what, I'll take a shower, and then I'll start timing these, and we'll see how regular, you know, if they're regular or if they go away and whatnot. So about 9 p.m. that night, I started timing them, and they were about 30 seconds long and five minutes apart. And my doctor had told me to call or to go in when they were a minute long, five minutes apart for more than a couple of hours, and they wouldn't go away for anything. So if I drank water or laid down, they wouldn't go away. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, you know, this is getting there. Maybe this is real. Maybe it's false labor. Maybe it's early labor. And we, we were just very concerned about going to the hospital early, knowing that they probably wouldn't let me leave and that the longer we were there, the more they would want to do interventions mm-hmm. and the more that would lead us to a repeat C-section. So our plan was to wait as long as possible and then go. Mm-hmm. So I tried to relax during the contract. What They ended up being contractions, but I thought at the time they were just practicing. <laughs> Been there. <laughs> <laughs> It's, they're, they're not. When they're studying like that, they're not. But mm-hmm. it's my first time ever in labor, so I didn't know what I was doing. So I tried to relax. We tried to go to bed, but I couldn't sleep. So at about 12 or 1, I got up um, and went to our living room to watch a movie, and I let Michael sleep for a little bit because I thought, if this is labor, he's going to need rest. And I sat and watched a movie and bounced to my birth ball and obsessively Googled false labor versus real labor which is not helpful because everything that's false labor is also real labor unless it goes away and then it's false labor. Yeah. Yeah. And you never know until it's over. You never know until false labor is over that it was false. And that really sucks. Yeah. It either stops (laughs) and it's false labor or keeps going and you have a baby. Those are your two two options. So I bounced my birth ball and I walked a little bit and just tried to get through however. They weren't painful, I'd say. They were just uncomfortable. They did get a little bit more intense and about 2 a.m. Michael woke up and came and joined me in the living room. And at that point, sort of, that's when I started getting a little more intense. I started having to make noise through them, just sort of a low hum. And I was walking and I would sort of squat a little bit during them or I would get to the edge of the couch and kneel on my knees and just sort of hunch over the couch and then get up and walk some more. And that, at that point, they were probably about a minute long and five minutes apart. So we were pretty sure, okay, this is, this is labor that is happening. But we're going to wait and see how it goes and 
we'll wait as long as we can to get to the hospital without having the baby in the car. And then about 4 a.m., they were about still about one minute long, about three minutes apart, and they were getting getting sort of slowly closer together. And we thought, okay, let's call the hospital. We'll see who's on call. We'll see what they say. And I was still having to moan through them and, and just sort of concentrate through them. It wasn't fun anymore. I wasn't paying attention to what was on the TV. So we called the OB on call, and it wasn't my doctor, which, you know, I thought, okay, that's a good thing because I'll get there in the morning and she'll be there in the morning. And I had a contraction on the phone with him, and he said, yeah, that was pretty convincing. Why don't you go ahead and come on in? (laughs) And I said, okay, and hung up the phone knowing that I wasn't going to come in. (sighs) I still needed to get my mom down. She was going to come and stay with my son Uh while we went to the hospital. And like I said before, she lives four and a half hours away. So we started calling her about 4 a.m., and, of course, it's 4 a.m., so she didn't pick up the phone the first couple rings. And at this point, the, we've made the decision that we need to get to the hospital eventually. And so I panicked when she didn't answer the first yeah. couple times. And I called a good family friend of ours whose husband is a veterinarian, and they have an emergency line that has to be answered. So I called her thinking she'll answer the phone because she has to. Nice. And then she can wake up and go wake up my mom. They live pretty close to each other. I said, she'll drive and she'll go wake up my mom. Well, my Aunt Patty, and I call her my Aunt Patty, she answered the phone after the first ring and said, what's wrong? And I said, I'm in labor. Mom isn't answering the phone. And she said, okay, calm down. I'm in the car. And I could hear her getting out of bed. And she said, I'm in the car. I'll go wake up your mom. I love you. You can do this. And hung up the phone. And as soon as she hung up the phone, my my mom answered the phone. My husband had still been calling her, so my mom picked up. Nice. (laughs) And I said, Mom, I'm in labor. Miss Patty is coming to wake you up. You may want to call her and tell her not to do that, but I need you to get down here. And she said, okay, I've got stuff in the car. Let me feed the animals, and I'll be down there. I love you. You can do this. And she hung up the phone. Yeah. And I I was just relaxed a little bit because the plane was in motion. My mom was on her way. And she sent me a text about 45 minutes later, you know, animals fed. I'm in the car, which she has six cats, three dogs, and two horses. So feeding that many animals in 45 minutes was a miracle. And then she sped all the way down here. And she got down here in about four and a half hours. It would have been quicker, but she got pulled over. Oh, Oh, no no. way. Oh, man. Too bad you were in the car with her. They could have just drove you to the hospital. (laughs) (laughs) Well, unfortunately, it was in Birmingham, which is still about an hour and a half away. But my mom said she pulled over and the guy came up to her window and she very calmly said, I know I was speeding. I'm sorry. My daughter's in labor in Montgomery, near Montgomery. I need you to write me the ticket so that I can keep going. Whoa. And, and he said, okay, calm down. You know, what's your daughter's name? What hospital is she delivering at? Oh, I think he was probably just trying to make sure she wasn't making it up. Yeah. <laughs> but she gave him all the information. He said, okay, just don't speed anymore. And get there safely. And she said, the ticket. And he said, no, don't worry about the ticket. Oh, that's nice. Good cop. Good cop. And so my mom was on her way, and I just sort of, I kept laboring, and I was moaning through the contractions. At this point, walking was no longer comfortable, and I was just kneeled over the edge of my couch. And with my, I had my knees on a folded-up yoga mat, and I would just moan through the contraction. And then at this point, I'd been up for a while. And I didn't know it, but at the time, I was sleeping in between contractions. Nice. Michael said that I would moan through a contraction, get really still, and then right before a new contraction would pick up, I would jerk awake 
and then moaned oh. through the contraction. Oh my gosh, you were tired. I was so tired. And so it kept laboring, and my son, Robbie, woke up a little bit before 7, um, and Michael fed him and got him settled in front of the TV with uh, Blue Planet 2 because sharks are life. <laughs> and uh, he, he watched his sharks and his fishes, and then my mom got there about 9.15, and Michael was just so happy to have something that he could do. He he had been all prepared to give me all the counter pressure and the back rubs and hip squeezes, and I didn't want any of that. I didn't want him to touch me. I didn't just let me do this. I can do this. I don't, you know, you're here if I need you, but I don't need you right now. <laughs> so when my mom got there, he was so happy to have something to do, and he loaded up the car and got everything situated, and he said, do you want the yoga ball? And I said, yes, just put it in the car just in case we need it, and helped me put my shoes on, and we were out the door about 930 but I, I was so, oh my gosh, that was the car ride from hell. It was awful. The hospital was about 30 minutes away, mm-hmm. and I couldn't sit down. So Aww. and if you're women listening to this, don't do what I did because it's not safe. But I buckled the seatbelt behind me so that the stupid alarm would stop dinging. And then I kneeled on my knees and I hugged the back of the seat. Mm-hmm. You sometimes, gotta do that sometimes. Sometimes that is the only way women can get to another location yep. comfortably and like manageably. So you're not the only one too. I've had clients and I was in the back, back seat, seat squeezing their like, hips. Well, they're no, on their hands not, and knees. I wasn't squeezing their hands. <laughs> well, I was holding their hand because oh. she was going around the yeah. like the seat, oh. and I was like in her face, like, "All right, we're gonna get there. It's gonna be okay." Yeah. Oh, I've been doing. So, I've done hip squeezes in the back seat of a car oh, when yeah, yeah. mom's on her hands and knees in the back seat and I'm like behind her I'm like making sure the door is locked so my butt doesn't open it and we fall out on the freeway <laughs> you know it, you, you, you gotta, gotta do what you gotta rules, do you gotta do what you gotta do to get to get there yeah <laughs> and that was that was the only way I could stand to yeah. be I couldn't I could not sit down because my labor it wasn't in my back but it was more in my back than I expected and I just oh it was not comfortable which it's labor. It's not supposed to be comfortable, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> so we got in the car, and my husband said, I can get there fast or I can get there safely, normal speed. What would you like? And I said, I cannot mm-hmm. handle being jolted around. Just get us there normally and try and avoid the major potholes and bumps. He said, okay. And I buried my face in the, the headrest of the car seat mm. and didn't look up until we got there. And it was the longest 30-minute trip of my life. It was mm. awful. I don't want to do it again. Oh. Then we got to the hospital, and there were no parking spots close, of course. And Michael said, you know, I can I can park here and walk in, or we can get you a wheelchair, you know, whatever you want. And I said, just find a parking spot. I can walk there. It's okay. Well, we almost didn't. I had, I had to stop about every 30 seconds or so to have another contraction. Oh, and my I just, gosh. I'd stop and drop all the bags I was carrying, put my hands on my knees, and have the contraction in the middle of the parking lot. And he kept asking, are you sure you don't want a wheelchair? Are you sure? I can go get one. I said, no, I'm fine. I'll, I'll just get there. Just go. I'll get there. <laughs> said, okay. I feel so sorry. He was so ready to be helpful, and I just did not want help. <laughs> um, so we got in there. He was there, though. Yeah. You know, he was there for you. No, sometimes just yeah, holding he was, space. He held your space, and that's mm-hmm. good. And was carrying the heavy bags. Exactly. Yeah, and he was carrying the stuff. <laughs> Perfect. So we got there, and um, I gave him the card to go check in, and I didn't even get, I think, to the chair to lean over and have a contraction before they were like, okay, let's get you back here and let's get you checked. And I should mention at this point, my water had not broken. I was still just, just contractions. Mm-hmm. Um, so they got me back there and they were, they could tell, you know, 
so you ladies know because you're experienced that way. But you can tell when a woman's in full-blown labor yep. and having attractions and getting close. So they were rushing. They hadn't even had a chance to check my chart. They were just, they were getting me in. And so I was obsessively telling them things that were on my birth plan that I wanted because I was afraid they wouldn't check mm-hmm. my chart or they would do it without asking me. Or they're like, it's okay. We got you. And take me down the hall. And she said, is this your second baby? And I said, yes, but I'm going to be back. This is my first actual labor. And so she yelled over her shoulder, I'm going to need the VBAC forms. And they got me in there and got me in the gown. And she said, okay, I'm going to start your IV. And I said, no, 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 it says in my chart that just just the HEP lock, just the HEP lock. And she said, yep, I, I got the HEP lock. It's just a, a phrase. I got gotcha. you. And so she got me in the gown and got my HEP lock in. She said, okay, I'm going to check you. I said, okay. And I was at an eight. And I would have been happy if I would have been at a six, but I was at an eight. Yay! And so happy. Starting transition. No wonder you were uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. So I probably went through a little bit of transition in the car, mm-hmm. which I do not recommend at all. <laughs> no. Neither do I. No, no. It was bad. So then they got me in the in a bed and they said, okay, we're going to will you because we were in triage. We're going to really end the delivery. And I said, okay, but I cannot lay on my back. She said, that's fine. Get however you're comfortable and we'll roll you in there. So I leaned over the back of the bed on my knees and they rolled me through the hall of the hospital that way and Michael caught up to us, and I said, I'm at an eight. And he said, yay, you're at an eight. I'm so mm-hmm. proud of you. And we got into the room, and uh, Michael was setting this up. He'd turned all the lights off, and he was getting the battery candles going, and he taped up my birth affirmations. Aw, he, he sounds he, so again, sweet. He was happy to have something to do, bless his heart. Yeah, <laughs> bless his heart. He got our, our laptop set up so I could watch Friends or The Office in the background, just, you know, music and just sound in the background. Yeah. And the nurses came in and they said, okay, we're going to get the monitor on you. And they got the monitor on, on me, which unfortunately didn't offer wireless monitoring. But at that point, I didn't really want to walk around, so it wasn't too big a deal. And uh, they said, okay, this is your midwife, Vicki. And I looked and I said, midwife, I thought I wasn't allowed to have a midwife. And they said, technically, you're not. Don't shout about this. But all the doctors are busy. <gasps> oh, <Lucky> you. score. <laughs> <laughs> it was and I just, at that point, I was like, okay, this is going to happen. It's going to be great. It's going to happen. And uh, I just, it was such a great uh, God, heaven sent sign. This is going to happen. You're getting your midwife. It's going to happen. <laughs> and I said, okay, it's nice to meet you. She said, I'll come back and check on you in a little bit. You know, you probably, I probably told you we're a little bit busy. I said, that's fine. I just, I want to, I'm here. I'm good. Yeah. She said, okay. And so them being busy was the biggest blessing because they didn't, bother me nobody offered me any that is awesome. pain meds it, which was in my chart so I don't know if they read my chart or if they were just too busy to offer me an epidural but the only time they came in and it wasn't even a bother they came in to bother me was when I'd shift and the monitor would move and they'd lose the baby's heartbeat and then she'd come in and say I just need to adjust you a little bit <laughs> then she'd be out and it was fantastic other than that we were alone and I might as well have been alone too I'd actually turned my back to my husband sorry my dogs are freaking out Mm-hmm. Um, turned my back to my husband and he got in settled in his chair and I was in labor land just doing my thing moaning through my contractions and come to find out later Michael actually fell asleep in the chair oh <laughs> poor guy he was he was so tired and he was sitting there and he was waiting for me to need something and he just just fell asleep a little bit and then he'd wake up and I'd still be there having the contraction and mm. I might have been mad at him if I'd known but at the time it's what needed to happen so I'm glad he got a little bit of sleep in. So I just continued to labor and I ended up standing next to the bed with the bed sort of raised up really high so I could lean on it and just labored and 
swung and moaned and threw it. And I started to feel what I thought was kind of pushy a little bit. But I wasn't sure because, again, I'd never been in labor before, never gotten to that stage before. So I wasn't sure. Um, and the midwife came in, and she was dressed all in scrubs and had her booties on. She said, okay, I've got to go into a C-section. I'll check you when I get back. I said, okay, that's fine. And she went out, and I thought, hope the C-section goes really quickly because I don't know how much longer I can do this. And that was oh about gosh, the only yeah. time that I really questioned if I could do it. And I sort of, a little flag went off in my head and was like, when you think you can't do it, that's when you're almost there. Yep, it's true. So I thought, Lord, please just let the C-section go quickly. Now, I don't know how long until she got back in there, but it felt very quick to me. I was also not in this plane of earth, I think, so who knows how long <laughs> um, She came back in and said, okay, let's get you up on the bed, and I'll check you. And she checked me, and she said, you're complete. You're out of 10. She said, you know, you can push if you feel pushy. But, you know, your your water's haven't broken yet, and baby's head is right there. Do you want me to break your water for you? And I, like I said, was about done. And I said, if you break my water, how long is it going to be until I can push? How much longer do I need to do this before I can push? And she said, baby's head is right there, so it will be almost immediate. I said, yes, break my water. <laughs> and she broke my water, and she said, okay, there's no meconium in the water. You're good. Get however you're going to be comfortable for pushing, and we'll we'll start pushing. And I just, I started shaking because I was so excited and uh-huh. tired and adrenaline. And yep. I was just, I just, I couldn't believe it. And then, you know, I told my husband, I said, okay, get the labor playlist going. Because I had all these songs that I wanted to listen to or just have on in the background. And he's got those going. And he came and stood up by my head. And I flipped over and I kneeled on my knees. And I leaned over the back of the bed. Uh, the front of the bed was propped up. And I leaned over that. And I started pushing. And at first, it didn't feel like anything was happening. I didn't really know what I was doing. But then you sort of get the hang of it, and it feels like you're taking a giant poop, but then it feels like a baby's head. Yep. Shortest <laughs> poop you'll ever take. <laughs> yes. It was, it was, it was great. And, and it didn't feel great. It was uncomfortable. But just to be doing something and to be doing it, to be giving birth to my baby was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and... They kept saying, you're doing so great, you're you're so calm, you're doing good. Because I, I wasn't screaming. I was just internalizing it and using everything to push. Mm-hmm. And Mike was there, and he was holding my hand, and he was rubbing my back. And he said, you're, he kept saying, you're doing so great. I love you. Mm-hmm. This is, you're doing so good. Just keep going. And eventually, I felt her start to crown. And it's the most frustrating thing in the world to feel her crown and then to feel it go back. <laughs> and then she crowns. And then she'd go back and you just feel like you're not making any progress. And thank goodness for the midwife staying down there quietly. You're doing it. This is great. She's coming. And they they were just wonderful. And then I sort of felt, I felt her head go out a little bit more and it stopped going back. And the only words I said were at that point when I was pushing the rest of her head out. And I said, ow, 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 because I could feel myself tearing. And the nurses giggled about it with me later. She said, I, you know, women have cussed at me and yelled at me and all this different stuff. And all you did was go, ow, 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 ow. <laughs> and then they told me, you know, the he- her head is out. She's great. Her head is out. Just Yay. one more little push, a steady push. And she was born. And Yay. they they passed her up between my legs and let me hold her. And she was beautiful and, and goopy and covered in vernix and, mm. and warm. And it was the most magical thing I, I mean there aren't 
there aren't really words for that. Yeah. It, it was, I mean, it was great. And she was born at 3.01 p.m. after about 45 minutes of pushing. They, you know, I got, did the delayed cord clamping and my midwife said, okay, I need you to give one more push now to give birth to placenta. And I looked at her and I said, no bones. And she said, that's right. The placenta has no bones. <laughs> at that point, because my body had pushed out a baby, and it was like it had forgotten how to push, and so I just sort of had to take a minute to figure out how to push out the placenta. <laughs> um, that was delivered no problem, and I was just holding my daughter, and she was beautiful and, and perfect and, and pink and covered in vernix, which is goopy but also soft and, and great. And we started breastfeeding almost right away. Hmm. Um, we still needed the, the nipple shield because I have a little bit of inverted nipples. But her latch was so much better than my son's because she got to stay in so much longer. She was 40 weeks and four days, and she was not OP. She came out. Anterior. Uh, yeah. Yes. A- AP, I guess, normal. It was great. And I, I did end up tearing. I had a second degree tear and a bilateral labial. So they gave me a little bit of lidocaine and stitched me up. Yeah. And as they were stitching me up, and I'm splayed there in all my just given birth glory, <laughs> and my mom came in with my son. Oh. <laughs> and she's like, oh, but I said, no, mom, it's okay. Just come around to the, the front side. <laughs> and I looked at her, and I said, I did it. And started crying. Mm. I'm going to cry now, too, thinking about it. Um, and mom said she... She said I looked like an eight-year-old who'd come to her holding, you know, an art project or something, saying, I did it, I did it, and Aww. just beaming. And uh, I did it, and my daughter was there, and she was perfect. It's so amazing. So sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I love how it, the stars aligned so well for you as well. Yeah. Like, it couldn't have been more perfect, it mm-hmm. sounds like. No, it, I mean, it was everything I would hoped it would be, and it was all down to educating myself and you ladies listening to you and hmm. asking questions and and going with your gut you guys talk about that a lot and yes, yeah that's something do. I practice a lot in my sort of everyday life and especially my mom life and trusting my gut with her and I had doubts about my provider and but what was my gut when it said no you really need to stay here and it ended up being being great and when I talked to the doula when I was first pregnant with my daughter, she said something. We ended up not hiring her because our finances were a little tight, but and I wish wish we could have, but she was wonderful even when I just sort of consulted with her. Mm-hmm. And she said, she'd asked me what I'd wanted a doula for, and I said, well, kind of there to help me keep my power and advocate in case I'm in la-la labor land and I'm not able to do that and my husband's not experienced enough to know everything about that. And she said, what if you could keep your own power? And that just it hit me and it stuck with me and awesome. I thought I'm going to keep my own power through mm-hmm. this birth. I'm going to do this and it's going to be great and it was. Mm. That's beautiful. awesome. So beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. Seriously. Thanks. Thanks really, for really, me really appreciate you. And you know, is there any are there any advice or is there any if I can even speak right? Is there any advice that you would give moms in your area, um, uh, and particularly like just I don't know, off the bat that you could think of? I mean in the deep south, especially where doctors are unquestionable and 
doctors are very smart. They're educated for a reason, but they are also there to cover themselves. Mm-hmm. They don't always necessarily have the patient's best interest at heart. They're trying to protect themselves, and in some cases the hospital, and the hospital is trying to protect themselves. The biggest thing that helped me was being educated, and the biggest way that I educated myself was making a birth plan. Yep. It is a big and daunting task, but once you go through what you do and don't want to happen, you know what you do and don't want to happen, and you understand the reasoning and the, some of the research behind it. So the biggest thing is trust your gut, keep your own power, and make a birth plan because birth, a birth plan educates you and you start asking questions. It's true. That's how you learn. Like we talk about all the time, like the power of the birth plan is like not in the actual written document. It's in all the things that you learn about when you're preparing it. And that's where the real power comes from. Whether you bring a written birth plan with you to the hospital or not, you learn Mm -hmm. so much in that Mm -hmm. preparation. Exactly. Yes. And I wish I had done that with my first, first baby, but I think that happened how it was supposed to too. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we want to also share with everybody out there that we have a blog about why babies go breach and five things you can do about it. So head over to our blog and check that out. Babies do go breach and sometimes we just don't know why. Mm-hmm. My little guy, he went breech multiple times, and he I swear it was just to test me <laughs> because <laughs> he, he knew seeker. I wanted my bee back, <laughs> and he just kept flipping, and it was so frustrating. But they sometimes go breech, and we just don't know why, and sometimes they go breech because there's other reasons. And spinning babies is something that we refer to all of the time as well, and mm-hmm. we suggest checking out spinning babies. So if you haven't yet, check them out. It's okay if you're not just barely pregnant and you're still, you're just 30 weeks. You know, there's still things you can do to get these babies in the right spot to help your labor process go easier. Yep, absolutely. We love spinning babies. You can find them at spinningbabies.com and you can find that blog that Megan just talked about why babies go breach and five things you can do about it at thevbacklink.com slash blog. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to thevbacklink.com slash share and submit your story. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to thevbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.